and I'm so excited about this, this message that God's given me here today for this church. And it's along our theme, uh, it's called Found in Faithfulness. And I want you to turn in your Bibles with me right now to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 to 13. Verse 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to the house of the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. So Samuel did what the Lord said. I love that. Samuel did what the Lord said. Do you know what God's word for you here today is? You just have to do what he says for you. What he says for you may not be the same as what he says for me or for the person alongside you. That's okay. All you have to do is what he tells you to do. But it wasn't, it wasn't as easy as it sounds for Samuel. Because if we read back, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? See, Samuel had ministered to Saul. Samuel had mentored Saul. Saul was his first big project. He'd anointed him to, and he rose to be king over Israel. They even won battles under Saul. And Saul was his pet project. And then all of a sudden, God, Saul messes up. We won't go into that story, what happened there. And, and God has to find another leader. And Samuel is still weeping over Saul because he's poured all his energy, all his hopes, all his dreams into this man. And now God's moving on. And, and Samuel has to all of a sudden make a decision. I've got to let go of that. And I've got to go with what God's going That's here. Right, you see, we can get caught up with what used to be good. But God's on the move. See, Samuel was faithful. He was found in an attitude, if you like, of faithfulness. Faithfulness gives you flexibility. You're able to roll with the flow. When the leader says to you, hey, we're going to change direction, that what you did there was great, but we're going to shut that down. Now we're going to do this instead. You've just got to go with it. Because that's where God's going. Yeah. You don't want to be still back here while God's over there doing something else. You've got to be flexible. Favor, being in a place of favor, makes you flexible. Faithfulness, rather. Faithfulness, it says this as a dictionary, it's fidelity, loyalty, consistency, devotion, trueness, true-heartedness, commitment, all those things. People who are faithful. And so Samuel moves on from there, and in verse 4 it says, He did what the Lord said, and he went up to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming. So you've got to understand, Samuel, he was this guy, he was, he was the only man of God on the earth that day, that, at that time, in that season. And when he rocked up, in the Old Testament, the way things worked back then, he could, he could bring God's judgment upon a city or upon a people for, 
for not following his ways. And these people, they, they were living pretty rough. And they saw him coming and they, they were scared. They feared that, that because of the way they were living, that, there was, that somehow or other they, that they were going to in, invoke some kind of a, a punishment, if you like. And they said to Samuel, have you come in peace? They were shaking. And he said, yes, I come in peace. Praise God for that. See, we don't have to worry about that anymore. People, you hear often, sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, you know, all these cyclones that have been happening or, you know, these shootings or all these things, oh, that's God's judgment upon America or upon this people or that. No, it's not. That's nonsense. Because Jesus took on all God's judgment on the cross. All of God's judgment, all of the, or if you want to look at it this way, all of the consequences of sin was poured into Christ on the cross. That's why we can enter into God's presence right now when we receive his forgiveness by faith. God's no longer judging the world. Not a bit. If God was going to start judging the world, he'd have to apologize to Jesus for not doing his job properly 2,000 years ago. Jesus totally, totally, took all, that's why it's such good news. That's why this is, you can, that's why you can meet someone who's never confessed Christ, lay your hands on them, and the power of God is right there, ready to touch them and show himself strong just for them. I said to that lady, I said, I said, I can't prove to you that Jesus has risen from the dead. And she said, you don't need to. She said, the, that what I felt is evidence for me. What I just felt is evidence. See, God wants to read, he so wants to touch people. Amen. And moving on to verse 5, he, he came peacefully. Down to verse 6. So it was that when they came, just prior to that, sorry, in verse 5, um, he sanctified. The Lord, Lord said to him, he says, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Samuel was going up to run this sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Samuel, looked at Eliab, which is Jesse's eldest son, and he said, surely the Lord's anointed is here. This guy, he was, he was a tall guy. He was the oldest. He was the... He was a handsome guy. He was dressed to kill. They were there. It's like they were in the green room when the man of God comes to town. They got a special, a special viewing with him. There was millions of other people there, but no, no, these guys got to, to be right with the man of God, like with, say, Reinhard Bonnke or someone like that. They, they got to be right there, and he says, this has got to be the guy. And he goes to anoint this guy, and the Holy Spirit says, no, it's not him. So then he goes to the next guy. And this next guy, he, he's, he's, like, he's like the bodybuilder guy. He has got like, he's like Guy Stein, you know? He's, he's got all these rippling muscles. He's got more Instagram followers than, than Donald Trump, you know what I mean? He's just got millions of them. He's, he, he's just blitzing the airways, this guy. He would, it's like, it's a shoe-in. It has to be this guy. Imagine what would happen if we anointed this guy, if we let, it's like fame would just go everywhere. This would be so good. And he goes to anoint him, and God said, no, not him. And then he moves to the next guy, 
And God says, no, not him. And he goes down through all of Jesse's seven sons. And each time, the answer is no, 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 no. And then he says to Jesse, are these all of your sons? Well, they, it would have, it, he would have almost felt stupid asking, seven is like the complete number. You know, they're like, this is screaming a whole lot of things, this passage. Seven is like everything. I've brought everything. No, you haven't. Some people come to God and they think, I've given you everything. No, you haven't. Some people, after a healing or a breakthrough, I've tried everything. No, you haven't. I had a woman come up to me at the close of one of our most powerful meetings, and she opened up her phone, and she showed me this picture of some person in a wheelchair, and she says, can you tell me why he wasn't healed? And that's how she said it. And I thought, hmm, there's something going on here. And I said, well, no. How would I know? <laughs> she was trying to, because I'd been preaching all morning how it's God's will to heal people all the time. Well, tell me why he's not healed. Oh, it must be God, you know. That's what she was, that's what she was wanting me to say. I said, well, I can tell you one thing. It's not, the problem's not at God's end. Oh, but she's the nicest person. She's been praying for years. She's a Christian. She's had all of us praying for her. And I thought, well, maybe that's a problem, but I didn't say. <laughs> I didn't say. And I said, I don't know. Maybe she hasn't tried everything. Oh, what do you mean? And I told her the story about the guys who carried the crippled man on a stretcher to Jesus to get healed. And the Bible says they got to the house. They'd carried him all day in the hot sun. They carried him all the way to this house. And it says they realized that there was no way they could get in. Because the crowds were so great. The house was full. There was an oval outside the house. People gathered everywhere. There was five other people on stretches in front of them waiting to get in as well. And it says when they could find no way to get in. See, most Christians will stop there and say, well, we tried. I turned up. I went to that healing service. I did this, I did that. Still nothing. But not him. How many of those people went home that day? Because they gave up. But the Bible says he went around and he found a way through. You see, you've, if, if you've done everything, then you're healed. Then you're set free. Then your problem's broken. If you still haven't, if your problem's not broken, you haven't done everything. Because if you have done everything and your problem's not broken, then it must be God. Is this making sense to people? So he didn't have all of his sons there. And in verse 6, so it was then that, that they came that he looked at Eliab. Surely the Lord's anointed stands before him. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. Now listen to this. For the Lord does not see as man sees. See, faithfulness is not what people look for, it's what God looks for. Faithfulness is not attractive to us personally. We'd rather bypass it. But it's what God's looking for in a person's life. We do not see as God sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks 
at the heart. Remember I said before, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe where? In your heart. In your heart. You can tell when someone's taken something to heart or when they're just going along with it. There's a massive difference. There's a massive difference. And, he, and so he went on here. For the Lord does not look, and man sees, for he looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at a heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before all the other guys as well. And he, and he came through all seven of the sons. And then down in verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, are these all of your sons? Then Jesse said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Wow. How about this? David is out in the paddock looking after the sheep. All of David's brothers, there's eight of them, all seven of David's brothers are consecrated, are invited to the sacrifice, which is like an annual event, which is like a massive, massive deal. They get front row seats with the man of God. They get to speak to him. David doesn't even get told about it. David's out in the paddock where there's no Wi-Fi, praise God. He doesn't know anything. He's just out there looking after the sheep. He's just doing. He's on mission. He's on his mission. The others are all up the front, all looking sharp and in the right place, or so they thought. But David is on mission. The others thought they were having a good time, but I tell you, David was really living life, people. David, the others thought they were in line for God's blessing, but all along, David had the smile of God all over him. He was just out there faithfully, faithfully serving. God is looking for faithfulness, people. He's looking for people who will just just give. He's looking for people who stay on mission. He, he wants to anoint you. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Why? To preach the gospel. Come on, to reach out to people. He's anointed me to be on mission. There's David right on mission. He's the youngest. He's the last one on the list. I gotta tell you, being the being the last on the list is such a blessing. I, I've, I've often been the last on the list. Sometimes I still am. As Pastor Mick said, we've been here since 2002. My wife and I joined this church. You know, the first job we got when we joined this church was running the kids' church. Remember that? Hallelujah. Wasn't that an awesome time? And then after about two or three years, we handed that over. I think Carly got involved with it around that time. Handed over. And then after that, we're involved in running the deacons department, which is a service host team. That team was a bit disarray, and so that needed to be built up. So 
So we ran that for a few more years, built that up, got a good team happening there. And then we handed that over to, I think it was, I think it might have been Bevan. Bevan, who's moved back to New Zealand since then. And then we started on, what did we start on after that? Then we started on the, um, the welcome team. People who were running the welcome team left, moved to another location. They, they moved house, they moved abroad. And so we started to run the welcome team. Built that up, got that happening. Then we, I can't remember who we gave that to now. Anyway, it's changed hands a couple of times since. And then we got involved with connect groups, training and building up connect groups and working on our own connect group as well. And you know what my favorite thing is when I come to church, still to this day, is greeting people on the welcome team. I just love it. The whole time, like when we were running kids' church or when we were on the welcome team, I would be out in the car park because I used to say there, guys, we've got we to start way before, way before 10, and we've got to hang out there till at least 20 past because you never know, someone late might come. Somebody might come because we're on mission. We've got we, we to do it well. You know, they say that 80% of the people, sorry, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And Jesus had that trouble because he said, pray the Lord of the harvest that they'll send out laborers, that laborers would go out in the harvest field. Can you imagine what this church would be like? Could you imagine if 80% of the people were doing 80% of the work? Oh, come on. Can you just feel what that would be like in here? If 80% of the people were doing 80% of the work, if 80% of the people were totally on mission, serving in their department, I mean serving every single week, but you know, every couple of weeks and helping out when you, when you see a need and just on mission. I'm telling you, we would have revival. We would truly have revival. Nothing would hold it back. 80% of the people doing 80% of the work, the other 20%, they could go on holidays. Mick, what do you reckon? <laughs> now the other 20%, they could just find new things to do that aren't already happening. Expand the work of God. I can feel like this is not just a message. This this couldn't become a reality. It's possible. Who believes that's possible? More than 20% believe it's possible. That's good. <laughs> it is possible. You know, I'm just believing that we could have something deposit because you see, this being on mission is what got David anointed. And I've got to tell you, when you get anointed, when the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord comes upon you, and I'm not just talking about when you get filled with Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, that's awesome, and you've got to have that, that's, that's step one. But I'm talking about when God starts to speak to you and stir with on the inside of you and pours His mission into your life. When you start to realize why you were put on this earth, when you begin to have a glimpse of God's call upon your life, and He has called every single person. Jesus says, many are called. Many are called. He says, few are chosen. That word chosen means choice. Choice, bro. Few are choice. That means many are chosen, many are called, but there's not too many that are on mission. But we could, we could, we could, we could turn that around here today. I'm telling you, we can turn... I said to my, we're, we're teaching 
What are we teaching at Bible College at the moment? Moving in the Spirit on a Monday night. It's not too late to enroll for that. We're teaching that. And I looked at these guys and I laid out all these things that are going to change your life. And I said, maybe one person, but statistically about one person will do that out of this class. But I'm believing that every person here. And, and they grabbed it. And I, I'm believing that here today. Statistically, maybe five will do something. But we're not bound by that sort of stuff, are we? I, I'm, I'm just, I just know that we could all just go on mission here today. We could just all be in that place. We could all just put up, and it means just doing whatever. You, a pastor once told me not long after I was saved, and I was doing a whole bunch of things. He said, that's good. He said, for the first few years, just do whatever you need to do. Do whatever the pastor asks you to do. Do whatever your hand finds to do. Do that. Because you see, faithfulness isn't something that you just grab like that. I'd have an altar call and pray for the anointing of faithfulness, but that won't work. Faithfulness is something that you collect. Faithfulness is something that you gather over time. Faithfulness is something that you get when you're out in the car park running around with umbrellas helping people out of their car on a Sunday morning when it's raining as they walk into church. Faithfulness is what you get when you, when you do like I was looking at people here this morning, 8.30. David, 8.30, he's straightening all the chairs, just perfect, each one. Then I went, came back out, went back in again, and there he is with a vacuum cleaner, just picking up little bits here and there, just making sure it's 100%. 8.30 in the morning. See, faithfulness is something that you gather, and it takes time, but it's never too late to start. But I'm telling you, if we could all just rise to this opportunity, because it is an opportunity right here now. If we could rise to this opportunity, we could shake this city right here from this church. Faithfulness. It starts with a decision. It says, well, I, I'm, I'm going to put my hand up. I'm going to go. I'm going I'm to jump in where I've never been before. I'm going to a level that I've never been at before. I'm just going to call people now if you're thinking, well, gee, I, I'm going to ask you to stand wherever you are. If you want to, you're thinking, yep, I need to go to another level in this church. I want to buy in. I want to buy in there. But just you can begin to stand right across this room. Just come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Only if you're serious. I'm not expecting everybody to stand, but that's my dream. You want to rise to a higher level. It'll cost you. You'll have to dig deep. It won't be... I'm not trying to make this out sound something that it's not. You'll have to dig deeper. But I'm telling you, that's what makes it worthwhile. If it was easy, anyone could do it. But if you think, you know, I want to go... I want to stand... I'm, I'm, I want to get on mission. I want to, I want to make myself available for the mission. You can stand right across this room. Everybody who wants to do this, just begin to stand all around this place. I'm just waiting as the Holy Spirit touches people here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And let me just quickly pray over you. Father in heaven, right now, over every soul that's standing before you today, over every person who's making this decision, it'll be different for different ones, different ways, but God, you see their hearts. 
Man looks upon the outside, but you see their hearts. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for an infilling of every heart that's on their feet here this morning. For every person that said, well, I'm, I'm just going to go with this. Father, your blessing rests upon them right here, right now. Faithfulness begins to be collected in a whole new way on each person. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.